This is Hey Change, a podcast brought to you by me, Anne Therese, a model activist and co-founder of Role Models Management, an ethical talent agency on a mission to disrupt the industry and change the way we think about fashion, beauty, and society as a whole. I'm here to bring you inspiring change makers and new ideas on how we can live our lives in more sustainable, healthy, and compassionate ways. So, with that said, are you ready to jump on board the wave of change? Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Hey Change. And today we have the honor of chatting with Cora Hiltz, who is one of the co-founders of the British fashion store Revenbag, a hip and trendy place for consuming ethical and sustainable fashion online. And uh, we're going to talk about what it really means for clothing to be organic, how help saving this planet can actually be quite cool, and also what Cora really thinks is the future of fashion. And before anything, I want to clear out something very important. Okay. And I'm going to ask you a question. So if I told you that someone would call you right now and say that you could order any food you could possibly think of and it would be ordered or delivered to you within five minutes, what would you order and why? I would order vegetarian dumplings from my favorite Chinese place in New York City if I could transcend the Atlantic Ocean if that was part of the the uh, offer here because mm-hmm. um, dumplings are one of the things I love the most in the world and also something I cannot make myself. And <laughs> I have very fond memories of um, spending time in New York and ordering them in late at night with my best friend. So there's kind of a um, kind of a reminiscent quality to them as well. So both delicious foods and memories attached to it. Exactly, yes. I'm in love with dumplings too. Unfortunately, I think they have wheat in them, so me being gluten intolerant is not the best thing. Oh, yeah, that would be tricky. But Every now and then, though, I need to have one because they're so good. (laughs) Honestly, I can go through about 18. If you let me, it's really, it's not good. (laughs) I may have to ask you for the exact address of this place since you say it's the best in the city and I live in New York, so... I mean, I think it's literally called something like Dumpling Heaven or something really apropos. Um, Some genius name like that. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Okay. So please just give us a short intro, introduction of who you are and what you're doing. So um, obviously my name is Cora Hiltz and I have been working on Revon Vert for the last three years. Um, my background actually is environmental politics and sustainability. So fashion came a little bit incidentally after um, working at Stella McCartney in Paris and Christian Louboutin in New York, I kind of I kind of got into the fashion world, quickly became disillusioned with it and vowed kind of never to get back in. Um, then ironically, when I was getting my master's degree here, I started realizing how much fashion as an industry was actually coming up in problematic conversations surrounding landfill, um, carbon footprint, water usage, et cetera, et cetera, you know, not to mention the kind of social impact it has. And Mm. I realized that, you know what, actually fashion might very well be the medium of change I've been looking for Mm. in that it's very accessible to most people. Um, It's incredibly pervasive and it's incredibly problematic. and, And because it's a totally privatized industry, 
it would need to be solved through business. Um, so that was sort of the foundations of the idea. And then really how it kind of evolved was just realizing how few people would ever sacrifice style for ethics. And there needed to be a luxurious and curated platform for ethical fashion where people would come on and, you know, it wouldn't look like your cliched notions of, of eco fashion. It wouldn't be, you know, all hemp and, and Birkenstocks. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I used to give that analogy. Now Birkenstocks have become super... Because I happen to have a pair of Birkenstocks, so... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, they've come back. It's so funny because I grew up in Maine and um, I always wore them, but mm-hmm. people used to make fun of me when I moved to Paris and now it's, like, become this, like, massive trend. It's, it's, it's it always like, like that, though? I think it's so yeah. funny. It's like something always comes back and used to be, like, the dorkiest thing to wear and now all of a sudden it's, like, high fashion again. Well, I mean, voila, that just kind of goes to prove that the fashion industry just, I think, kind of, it's a bit of a mill. Um and, you know, it, it really just someone needs to say, well, these these things are going to be in season next season. And, and then miraculously, somehow they are. So we yeah, so we really aimed to create some beautiful products that would fit into a woman's lifestyle. So we offer organic beauty, eco active wear, basic products, more luxurious products. So really kind of rounding out that place to find ethical but beautiful fashion. Cool. Um, and yeah, I was looking on your website and your ethos say that you speak for curation, aesthetic and longevity. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean by that exactly? And why do you think just these some things are so important? Well, I think curation and aesthetic really go hand in hand with the realities of life today in, you know, cosmopolitan places. And even in the countryside, I think we all have gotten very spoiled for choice really in terms of having having beautiful and accessible things and we realized that that was a thing that people didn't want to sacrifice and shouldn't have to um however i think where longevity comes in and really rounds out that trio is that we believe that what you buy should last you for generations it shouldn't last you for a season so really one of the biggest problems with fashion is just the lifespan of garments is so incredible incredibly short-lived and then these things sit in the back of our closets and eventually end up in landfill and you know take hundreds of years to break down so we really believe that when you buy a coat you should buy one coat that you plan on wearing for the next you know 10-15 years if not forever Um, and that's a big key to the sustainability problem in our our minds. I mean I I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think it's um, upset, uh, upsetting sometimes that you buy a piece of clothing and it, it might just rip like next season or even like a few months from now and you're fine with it because you don't even want to keep it for the, like that long. And it's something so terribly wrong with that picture. And I'm, I keep wondering if, if us as consumers have created that kind of world where fashion is only for a few weeks and it doesn't need to last longer than that because either way when you know a few weeks have gone it's new it's a new fashion it's a new season and i want to buy new things anyway so it's just a wasteful way of living um, yeah. and i it's it's so funny like i don't know about you but when i look at my closet and my closet used to look very different four years ago obviously i'm american and you know i kind of grew up going to the mall was like the thing that you did and then you found things on sale and you wore them once and you threw them into the back of your closet I mean when I moved to Paris I went through my clothes to see what I wanted to bring with me and honestly 
out of a massive wardrobe, there were about 10 things I really loved. And that for me, I think was when things started clicking. Like I was like, look at the amount of like money and waste I have literally in my own closet. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of billions, you know, I'm one of billions of people on this planet. Like, how does that make sense? Um, terrifying when you think about it, I think. Yeah. So I think, you know, people oftentimes say, well, listen, like sustainable fashion is really expensive and your things are a little bit more pricey. And my response to that always is, if you think about how much money you spend on clothing in a year, mm -hmm. it's not that you're scared to spend money on clothing. It's that you expect to get 30 things for the price of what really five things should cost you. Exactly. I mean... I actually, I, I visited one of my friends, I'm back in Sweden right now, and one of my uh, long-term friends in her new apartment a few weeks ago, and uh, I walked into her closet, and I'm just in love with everything in there, and it's just like so um, mindfully pieced together, because she's been doing it right all this time, where I was just shopping aimlessly for like the last, you know, the last deals, and trying to get as many pieces of clothing for the least money. She was really just buying whatever suited her style yeah. and really just um, investing money in the kind of clothing that she felt was good for her and for her personal style. So what happens is that she's now created this wardrobe that she really loves and she will keep for a long time. Yeah. And I think and that's, that's, yeah, that's how things should be, really. People should learn from people like her and you and trying to shift that movement. And I'm sure your friend always looks great because she's wearing pieces that she loves and truly suit her. Totally. Things that she bought because it was, you know, 90% off and why not, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, no, 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 definitely. So um, thank you for starting an mm -hmm. online um, shop so we can actually find a way to be uh, <laughs> conscious and ethical and sustainable and still look fashionable and on trend. So okay. just uh, what would you say is the most fun thing about what you do? I would say it's really interacting with our designers and learning about what they're doing and, and the innovation they're coming up with. Um, and also on the side, we're actually planning on launching our own line of Elevated Basics, which has been incredibly fun because... We're planning on doing everything within the UK, so keeping our carbon footprint tremendously low and also kind of being able to talk about the benefits of shopping local. Um, and it's just amazing seeing what actually is out there as possibilities. Like um, there are eco-friendly vegetable dyes that are coming out that are now rivaling synthetic dyes for the kind of longevity and colors they're able to achieve or meeting factories where people literally are making your clothes in, in beautiful ways and they're proud of what they do. You know, it's not an eight-year-old working 16-hour shifts, you know, in Bangladesh. Um, there's real pride and craftsmanship behind those things. And, and designing pieces, which is what I've been really involved in, that I think will last a lifetime or you know, appeal to lots of people or make up a really core staple wardrobe. But that's something that I've been really, really, really aware of is wanting to produce a capsule collection that would work for almost any woman and allow her the introduction to sustainable fashion um, easily. So, you know, your, your classic turtleneck sweater, your structured leggings that you can wear out or wear in, beautiful t-shirts, a, a great kind of dress that you can throw on every day. So, I think 
that's been the most fun as of late is getting this line together for, for ourselves. That's exciting. So when is the timeline? When do you think this is going to come? It's going to be launching in October, um, and it's called Rev by Rev Envers. So stay tuned. It should. I'm hoping it's going to be great. Yay. And if you need models, you know who to reach out to. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to be in touch about that, actually. So, awesome. um, yeah. Let's talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I just want to clear some confusion because there's so many terms out there about ethical and sustainable fashion, and anyone trying to just get a hang of it could just get, you know, really dizzy. And yeah. so if you want to help us out, what's like the difference between recycled, upcycled, sustainably made, ethically made, um, you know, all those terms? Yep. Um, okay. Well, let me do my best here. So <laughs> recycled and upcycled. Um, recycled is when you take a piece of clothing or, a, you know, something that's on the clothing. So say like a zipper and you break it down and remake it into something else. So actually, let's just stick with the clothing example. You know, you take a cashmere sweater and you, by recycling it, you pull away all the threads and then you remake those threads and fibers into something else. Whereas upcycling is directly taking a garment and repurposing it. So you would upcycle, we'll get back to the zipper. You would take a zipper that was on a defunct jacket and put that zipper onto a new jacket. So you're not using you're only using things that already exist um so we actually believe that upcycling where possible is the most sustainable option because it doesn't take any energy whatsoever to break it down and make it into something new mm. it's literally just ready to go um would you say like redone that that brand is like upcycle clothing yeah i would say i'm not familiar enough to know if they break down their denim before they redo it but um i think that's the whole point is that it's just vintage denim that's just repurposed. So yeah, I would assume that would be the kind of case with them. Um, and then with sustainable fashion and ethical fashion, it's a very interesting thing. In my opinion, they're actually two different definitions. So let's take the fur example. Fur as a resource in fashion is actually incredibly sustainable because it's the longest lasting material we've got and it is the most natural because fur is a natural insulator. So you don't actually need to put in toxic chemicals or any kind of fillers when you have a fur coat, like it, it, it creates the resource just by having the fur itself. Um, and if it's not treated with dyes, the fur can just be a natural, it's literally a totally natural fabric um, that just would be made into a coat. And that is, the most sustainable example of a fabric you can get. However, the ethics of fur are horrible. So, you know, you've got these fur farms, which we won't get into the graphic details. I'm sure we all kind of have an idea of what happened to these fur. picture in mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I literally, whenever I see people in, um, what are those, Canada Goose jackets, I literally want to tear them off them because I saw what they do to these, like, wolves and foxes to get mm. that fur and just... Oh God, you see people walking around and stuff thinking they're so cool and what they've done to an animal to get that effect is just, is just terrifyingly horrible. to shake them up and be like, wake up, please. Well, exactly. Like, how is that cool? You know, how is that a good thing? And it's like the status symbol of what, you know, you've just spent an extortionate amount of money, mm -hmm. something that was made with some of the worst ethical practices in the fashion industry. Um, so, you know, I... I think that's where it gets really complicated is 
the ethics of something like that versus the sustainability of the garment itself. Um, so at Revent Vert, we kind of make calls on a case-to-case basis. So this is my kind of favorite story about that in particular, is there is a fur label, a very small fur label called Le Petit Mot, and it's basically the woman collects roadkill of animals that have died already and are literally just going to be shoved to the side of the road or whatnot. I think I've heard of her. Yeah. Please continue. Fur coats out of these animals that otherwise would just be going to waste, decomposing. You know, they would have died in vain, these poor animals anyway, because they just happen to be crossing the road at the wrong time. But her whole thing is if there is a demand for fur and fur in itself is a sustainable resource and these animals are dead anyway, why would we kind of let them have died in vain? We should use their assets to make fur coats. And we've had this conversation. My business partner and I both believe, actually, we'd love to stock this line because people do want fur and that's a reality. The aesthetic is beautiful and that's a reality. And actually, when the sustainability and ethics story is brought into question, it's really quite right on. But it's so funny. I've spoken to a few people about it, and some get on board, and some are like, oh, my God, I would never wear roadkill. And I'm like, but you'd buy a Canada goose, like, where the animal was tortured practically before it was killed, right. where the animal was dead anyway. And it's a very interesting conundrum and it's very interesting also because everyone has different ethical policies and you can't possibly cater to each and every person. I mean, I'm laughing a little bit inside because um, I'm just comparing it to my own story. I'm vegan food wise, trying mm-hmm. to eat clothing wise as much as I can. But people usually ask me, when would you ever cheat on eating meat? And I said, well, if you happen to kill an animal out driving, it's a roadkill, and now we have to eat the meat because otherwise it's going to go, get, go to waste. I don't mm-hmm. know if my stomach would be able to actually process the food, but ethically-wise, I could definitely eat that animal. You know, it's a whole industry and that torture that goes into it that I can't support. So it's always a fine line. There's no black and white. The only issue I have that, I mean, I love the fact that she's collecting all this roadkill. My only issue would be, are we then still fueling a fashion where you know fur is still cool and um admirable and you know people may not everyone may be able to get the roadkill because you know there's kind of there's only so much roadkill you can find probably i don't know that though um that's that would be the only thing that would be my issue and that's a really valid point so yeah it's just obviously we don't stock that line and it's it's literally because i think for us we do have a lot of vegan clients and I think it would, to them, it, it might be very distasteful. Um, so yeah, it, it's very tricky though. So we always make calls kind of on a case to case, um, case to case scenario. And I think like for, for an individual, every decision has to be case to case. Yeah. It's really hard to always be, I'm only going to buy sustainable clothing or I'm only going to do this or that. Mm-hmm. up until now there is no perfect world but every choice can be a little bit better than the other option so yeah. i think that's the only thing like bring awareness to every moment how can i be a little bit more conscious in my everyday you know options and way of being and treating other people and shopping more sustainably it's like you're saying like you have to just kind of have that conversation with yourself like how can i bring my ethics to the table and do right in my opinion in this 
very particular moment. Absolutely. So um, one more thing then, what does it mean if a piece of clothing is organic? So that normally means that it, the, the cotton or other sub, like fiber that's, you know, it's made of has been grown without the use of chemical pesticides. So that's a really big one for us because the pesticide issue is just massive. I mean, right now, the cotton industry for fashion is one of the world's biggest users of pesticides and, you know, depleting soil. I am... Sorry, my phone rang. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we really kind of want to make sure that it's not an issue for us and that we are... So basically, yeah, I um, I think that the issue of organic is, is something that we should really all be focusing on more because if we're going to be growing cotton or we're going to be growing any kind of other fabric bamboo, tensile, things like that, we should absolutely make sure that the pesticides aren't involved. And that's an easy change to make. It just has to be done with people having less of a desire for non-organic cotton and traditional cotton and starting to look and only shop for organic cotton. Right. And also, I I just I learned this, but I think more, more and more people will realize that it's so important to know what we're wearing because the body absorbs so much of the things we put on it, including like the clothes we're wearing and the sheets we sleep in. So we're starting to know that we cannot use just any beauty products because if they're filled with pesticides, that's going to get absorbed by our body. But the same thing with clothing. So you don't want to wear something that's basically filled with toxins. And yeah. I've tried out a few organic pieces of cotton and it just feels amazing. Like it's so soft and I just want to wear it all day. I usually sleep in those, by the way. Yeah. Well, the skin is our largest organ and it's our most absorptive. So we really have to treat it with a lot of respect. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, people are starting to really realize that with like their beauty products, their bath products, things like that, even their makeup. Um, but clothing is slightly behind I would say people don't think of it as quite as tangible of a concept but yeah if you think about it especially when you you think about your kind of undergarments and things to that degree it, it's very important to go organic and chemical free mm. so do you think then can you today can you be on trend and still care about ethics and a fair fashion culture I mean I actually think that the two go hand in hand today I think that you know I think you really captured this well with your agency but if you've got a voice in fashion or you want to be a fashionista or any of these kind of things you have a real responsibility now to do it in a in a sustainable and ethical way I just feel like we live in a world where you know without getting too doom and gloom things are changing so quickly and we as consumers have such responsibility you know like again being an American we currently have a president that doesn't believe in climate change um, as the world is coming to a very dangerous tipping point in terms of our carbon levels. And I think that sometimes things can feel really overwhelming and scary when it's, you talk about ethics and sustainability because you're like, where do I even begin? Uh, the world is, is, is a messed up place right now, you know, but like really it's just about those small everyday changes that we can make. And it's amazing what you can do just voting with your wallet from the kind of food you choose to buy and makeup and 
fashion, you know, it's really every time you shop, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want to see. Mm. I, I, and I just think that people really shouldn't underestimate their own power in, in being conscious consumers and what that would mean. Yeah, I always say vote for your dollar. You have so mm. much power in your hands and your wallet every day. Exactly. Like my fiance, when we first got together, like he would go to, you know, the cheapest supermarket and buy like so much chicken. Um, and it, it was a real contentious thing for us for a while because I would only go to the farmer's market and buy it. Like I don't really eat meat, but when I do, it's for sure only coming from the farmer's market and I do spend more money on it, but because I eat it so rarely, first of all, I don't mind doing that. And secondly, I just wouldn't eat meat that I didn't know had been raised well and without hormones and, you know, all of these incredible things. And, and we had to come to this kind of understanding where I was like, if we're doing meat at the house, like it mm-hmm. has to be this way. And it, it's really, but I think that's such an important thing to spend money on. And I feel great every time I go and I put, you know, six pounds or whatever into the hand of the person that is making a living and respecting their animals and treating them right and honoring kind of time old farming decisions. So versus, you know, going to the supermarket and just buying this prepackaged chicken that God knows how it's been raised or where it came from. So, you know, that's a simple example of food, but honestly in the last year and a half, my fiance has changed completely and we now eat really similarly. And I think that's just such a powerful example of how someone can really be swayed and, and become conscientious in a way that he just didn't really know before. And I'm hoping that's the same in fashion. The more we talk about it and educate people, the more they're kind of going to change their ways and, and come around and, you know, and change the way they think and, and hopefully shop. Completely. And I was going to say, I mean, probably from you just speaking up about how your beliefs, he eventually move it over to your team like yeah you're probably right you know and yeah. so speak up and vote your dollar <laughs> and another thing i would never think you're american your british accent is like on point really oh my god i've been here for nearly oh god eight years now oh okay makes so, sense that yeah that makes sense it's awful when i go back to america everyone's like you sound ridiculous i'm like oh, <laughs> no you sound lovely i love it <laughs> Sponge. it's awful if I ever like move to Texas I'm sure I'd be going around saying like hey y'all um but... well it's it's good to be able to just you know adapt to your environment a little <laughs> bit it's great exactly so if you were okay and I'm gonna put this and you're you're gonna be put in the hot seat here um because you were talking about like how you can never be perfect you have to bring awareness to each moment so let's say that you're looking for a new top and you're deciding between two options one is fair trade and ethically made and all of that but the other one is made with sustainable fabric. And you must choose only one. Which one would you choose? Oh, that's really, really tricky. Um, I would say, okay, so this is going to be me being a little bit far out. Um, so, you know, I apologize in advance. But I would go with the sustainably made one. And that is because this has always been my stance that the earth is our number one priority over anything else because if the earth doesn't exist and we don't have a healthy planet, it doesn't matter what condition humankind is in. We're all going to be screwed anyway. Mm. Um, It doesn't matter if you live in Bangladesh or New York city, it will affect you, you know, like living in London right now, our pollution levels have surpassed those of Beijing's like 
you know, which terrifies me. And I live here every day. And I think, you know, I've got a lot of friends who live in Miami and they're having to literally move houses because things are starting to go underwater there. And oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's not like, you know, climate change isn't like something that like is going to hit us in 50 years. It's something that's here now. And it's incredible to me that people aren't acknowledging it. Um, And I think that for me, our biggest priority right now is making sure that the earth is protected and the resources are there to sustain human life in a good and healthy and natural way. So, yes, I care about human rights very much. Um, However, I don't think there is such a thing as human rights if we don't have a viable planet. Thank you so much for that awesome answer. (laughs) Because I feel like I get um, attacked sometimes when I give a similar one because people are like, what about the people are their most important and don't just care about the animals. But what they don't realize is, like you say, the planet is everything and indirect is it's going to affect and it's already affecting human beings too yeah it's not just about caring for nature it's actually just this wholesome circle of life that we need to start with the core which is our planet and our environment and from that we, we can just you know deal with the actual problem the core of the problem it's going to ripple effect and it's going to become more ethically made eventually because well, that's just it. You know, I think if we're all living in a world where we've used up all of the soil and all of the clean water and all of our resources, there's just, as you say, there's no, there, there will be no human rights mm-hmm. anyway. Right. And like, like you're saying today, you can definitely wear sustainable clothing and organic cotton. And there's a lot to pick from. Just go to Revanvet and see all their collections. Go shopping today and really find your pieces that you love and start creating a love story with sustainable fashion because it's totally doable today to be yeah. cool and chic and still care for the planet. Absolutely. So you have been around for almost four years now, the store has. Yeah. Um, have you experienced a shift in the fashion industry during this time? And are the consumers becoming more aware that there is this kind of fashion? Absolutely. I mean, when I first had the idea four years ago, and I said I wanted to tackle sustainability in the luxury fashion sphere, all of my friends were like, you're insane. Like, Mm. no one's going to want to talk about eco fashion when it comes to luxury. And I was like, well, I'm willing to take the punt that they will. Um, You know, and then two years ago, we see Stella McCartney on the cover of Business of Fashion with sustainability as the headline. And we see the caring group coming out and saying, you know, we are going to get all of our production to be sustainable hopefully by 2020 and we're going through great lengths to achieve this and you see H&M and Zara doing their conscious collections which you know I've got my own personal feelings about but at least they're talking about it Mm -hmm. and I think that yeah and I think consumers are starting to really want it and demand it in some cases but I think unfortunately consumers are also confused a lot of the times as to what shopping consciously and sustainably really means. Um, so I think that's a big part of, of, of my job at Revon Vert is educating people as to what this all means. I think podcasts and discussions like these are so important because like just those questions you asked about the recycled, upcycled, sustainability ethics, like, you know, for me, this is second nature now, but I've been in it for four years and for a consumer coming in fresh, um, I think that that it's complicated and you know I, I think where places like Zara and H&M are really doing a disservice to consumers is that for instance 
at H&M, they're talking about making big strides, which is great. But the conscious collection is accounts for 0.5% of their production. Mm. And, you know, that is just that that is a minuscule number. And you see that they're using organic cotton or tencel, which is great. But at the same time, you'll see that sometimes they've still been made in Bangladesh. So the carbon footprint of having gotten that garment all the way from Bangladesh, the samples back and forth, you know, the shipping, the freight to their thousands of stores all over the world, it's inherently unsustainable. So they're getting applauded for using this, this resource and fabric, which yes, is the better option. But I think then consumers get confused and also think that, you know, a t-shirt should be 12 pounds, even though it's made consciously, which really isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that H&M can get their prices down and their resources down so low that they're able to dictate that kind of thing. Um, so I think there's a lot of question marks still, but I think that in general, because the conversation is becoming more and more around, um, it, it's great. Like that, that is great. And I do applaud the big names for bringing this into their conversations and their advertising because it makes people at least start to think about it. Right. And like back to what we talked about, about voting with your dollar, like, like you're saying, there are big names out there today. They're making big strides. Even like Adidas created this line of sneakers made from upcycled or recycled plastic from the ocean. And Timberland is coming over their sustainably, I think, vegan leather um, boot or something like that. Yeah. Um, A lot of big brands, Zara, H&M, like you said, they are creating collections that are more conscious, more sustainably made. And even though they may not still be perfect, it's a step in the right direction. I think it's important for us as consumers to show them that we care for that and to actually consciously choose that line over the other line because they yeah. will look at their data and go like, oh, actually, we like that conscious collections grew in sales with four point something percent since last year. Maybe we should start creating or producing more in that line. Yeah. So and sometimes, I mean, not everyone can afford Stella McCartney, even though everyone may want to. And so it's, I think it's great that brands in all different kinds of categories, even though, of course, a t-shirt should not be that cheap, still cheaper options are still available for those who want to be conscious and still shop for clothing in their Definitely. Yeah. And I, it's, it's exactly, as you say, the more people that shop in that section, hopefully it'll rise from 0.5 to 1% to 1.5%. So it's really about, about change and yeah, exactly. Just having the conversation. So I think I'm feeling positive about the way the industry is going overall yay so what is your own best styling tip then i would just say oh my own placement i'm i'm a really classic dresser um i only buy like a couple of statement pieces and then i just make sure that i've got my absolutely classic go-to so you know a pair of really great black jeans um a white t-shirt and then maybe like kind of like a, a statement jacket, things like that. So I really focus on having a great small capsule wardrobe and then a few things that I can throw on to make it really pop. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a very loud dresser, but I make sure that there's something interesting always in terms of wearing an outfit that makes me excited about it. Something that makes it you. Exactly. That's 
So would you say it's vintage still cool then? Oh, I struggle with vintage personally. I want to love it. And it is probably, again, the most sustainable option we can go for. But I appreciate also that um, it doesn't always fit perfectly. Um, and I'm I'm a real sucker for a great tailoring. So I think that vintage, and some people can just pull it off. You know, like some people just have that vibe. They can wear like the flowy dresses and the cool old jackets and the beat up boots and like just look fantastic. Like they can really pull off that style. Whereas I, I just don't seem to be able to do it, but I've got a few pieces that I bought actually when I was still living in Paris um, that I love. And I have to say when I do buy vintage, it's because I genuinely love the piece. So I think always keeping your eye out and always taking, you know, a punt going into a vintage store is, is a really great way to shop. And then I think actually I changed my perception of vintage because I used to think vintage is like something very either expensive or very old or very like specific pieces of clothing or specific style. But even now, people are donating clothes all the time. You can go into a vintage store or like um, repurposed store or whatever and find clothes that you may as well just find on H&M. Oh, a okay. lot cheaper or and it's repurposed so we don't have to keep creating the waste. There's so much clothing like just cycling around in the system so we can find ways to just swap clothing with each other or you know buy things that's already been used maybe once or twice it's not even like worn out yet but you can still buy it yeah i mean i would love to eventually incorporate a vintage section onto revon there um it's also just i think vintage is one of those things best left offline because i i do think with those sort of one-off pieces you want to try them on and see how they fit and mm -hmm. Um, that's where we've struggled because it, it really, it's always been on our minds to have it on the site, but it's just a little bit tricky. Um, I think selling vintage, but for those of your listeners who really want to try, um, Le Double J, like La Double J is a great vintage website out of Milan, um, that all really beautiful classic pieces, um, one of a kind, all designer. It's a little pricey, but it's a great place to find it like fabulous pieces you need to check it out now definitely thank you for that advice of course my friend meredith works there so it's a little bit of oh, okay <laughs> that's how we do things <laughs> all right um so but being green and conscious is about so much more than just clothes which we all know yeah. so what are some of your own tips of bringing sustainable practices to your everyday life um you know i think let's see i would say my top three are switch to solar energy in your home. Um, especially if you live in a city now, it should be relatively easy. Like in London, we've got this great company called bulb, which made it so easy to switch to solar for both my heating and electricity. And that is actually one of the number one things you can do to fight climate change. Um, and also again, I think I, that's something I stand for really quite strongly is taking power away from traditional sources of energy, um, and putting them into the hands of, of like individuals looking to make a really good positive change so if you can switch to solar and trust me it's worth it like I know it can seem daunting switching over your electricity but really it's it's not that hard it's working it is um I would say honestly my second thing is is get plastic out of your life in every way possible it's just I grew up on the ocean in Maine and I always go to the ocean for holidays. I'm, I'm just feel quite strongly and connected to it. And 
to see the epidemic of how much plastic we are putting into the seas and even those who love seafood, I mean, I don't eat it personally, but you know, the amount of plastic that's going into the fish that we consume and all the wildlife is just devastating. And it's literally due to the fact that people just want to grab a bottled water here and there. Um, and there are so many beautiful and easy alternatives. I mean, I've got, you know, like five be care water bottles and bamboo toothbrushes and tote bags and, um, reusable coffee cups it's just honestly it's really really not that hard of a change to make and i think one of the most impactful things we can do mm. it's actually yeah i i love what you're saying because it's so easy to make that tiny shift and to just keep always consciously thinking how can i produce less plastic in my daily life i just heard yesterday on the news that we should be amazed if we knew how much plastic is in everything the clothing oh. and the things we use and it's ending up in our oceans and is really um, affecting the currents in the oceans, which is affecting the temperatures above the water. So I think the shift in temperature we're seeing is definitely due to the way that we're putting plastic in the oceans, but people don't make that connection. No, they don't. And I think it's so tremendously important to start talking about that. And, you know, as a fashion company, it's one of my big pet peeves that we've got, um, you know, all these designers who are sustainable. And then, you know, when they send their clothing, they're wrapped in plastic. And it's one of my personal missions with our new basic line to make sure that they do not come in plastic or if they have to be wrapped in plastic, that it's not individual um, to protect the garment. So finding innovative ways of protecting clothing mm. without the use of plastic, because it's just like, yeah, I'm so aware of it. But even now looking around our studio, like some garments are just wrapped in plastic that really don't need to be. So yeah, it's about, you know, finding the small ways to be proactive and then the larger ways to be proactive. But that's such a big thing to tackle. Um, and then finally, my third one, I know we've touched upon it, but I think food and the way we consume meat in particular is, is dreadful. I think that, you know, not everyone needs to go vegan, but certainly cutting down on the amount of animal products we consume is just so important and anyone could do. I mean, it'd be really hard to tell everyone to give up all animal products immediately, but it'd be shocking if you just spend some time looking into vegan recipes, you know, even just for breakfast and lunch um, or a couple of nights a week. It's really just about making the change of cutting down on it even a little bit would be really helpful um just make it fun just try it out just try a new dish and see if you like it it doesn't yeah. have to be more serious than that and then maybe you love it and then you can just continue and you know you're making a good thing for the planet yeah and if you hate it try again i mean honestly <laughs> right. getting my say to eat vegan i thought would be like an absolute no-go but i've found like 10 dishes that I he loves and maybe 10 dishes he hates and you know so it's about finding those 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 ways and not giving up if you don't hit it right the first time because it's easy to make a steak taste good like right. have to do well, anything yes and no I want to actually say that I think we treat like meat and dairy and stuff with a lot more love than we would do with the vegetables and I think we should remember <laughs> that it's the same thing like you can make a veggie dish be very boring uh, if you don't like treat it with love, put the right flavors to it, the right spices, like in the right temperature. So you can make same same way you can really ruin a steak. You can also ruin a veggie dish. That's what I want to say. Yeah, that's actually very true. I've I've certainly ruined 
I've certainly ruined both. So we all have, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just those, one, oh, sorry. Those are my top tips, I would say. Thank you. And one more thing about the plastic. One thing I hate, really, just hate, is when you go yeah. to the grocery store and you want to shop for like veggies or fruit, and it's all these plastic. And for some reason, usually the organic vegetables are wrapped in, up in plastic or like come in plastic containers. Yeah. Which I like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense for some reason. And then all those like very thin bags you pick to put the fruits in. Like, yeah. if you get like two oranges or even like a few more, like, is there any way you can just put them in a basket and then put them together? On I try not to, I do my very best not having to use those bags because I hate them. I, it's insane. They honestly shouldn't exist. Um, I would say the best solution I've found is going, I keep banging on about it, finding a farmer's market and committing to going once a week because um, you'll find the farmers really just bring their fruits and veg up in like boxes um, and then you can find ways to just, if you've got your own bag with you, they'll normally just put it on a scale and you bring it home or if you go to an organic food store and they've got kind of like there's little brown paper bags that you can put things in. I just reuse those. Mm-hmm. So if I shove a load of mushrooms in them one week, I'll put them under my sink and then go back and get that bag and reuse it for the next time I go. Um, so it's just about being mindful. I think we're just so used to everything being easy. Like put your veg in a bunch of plastic, throw it away, do it again the next day. Right. Like it really, even if you take the plastic, maybe like bring it home, save it. And you know, you're going to go back to the store and get peppers again. Like, put your peppers back in the plastic bag you used the first time. Just remember to bring it with you. Um, I think we're all so kind of stressed out and moving around so quickly sometimes that we'll just forget the most inherently common, simple steps we can take. Yeah, and Uh, it's it's all habits. Like you say, like we can reuse plastic bags. I usually like Ziploc bags and stuff um, because they are good sometimes to use because they sip and which is great. You can just seal them up. But you can wash them and dry them out just like every other dish or utensils you use and then just reuse them again. You don't have to always buy new bags, which is good for your wallet and it's good for the environment. Exactly. So, So, yeah. No, go ahead. No, so final question then. I want to ask you, can it be fun to help save the world? Oh my God, yes. Um, It can be, I want to be honest and realistic, it can be scary and hard and there are a lot of nights when I come home and I you know I feel completely depleted and like I am banging my head against a wall and screaming into an abyss um with no one really hearing and then I'll have days when I feel so energized and positive and supported in this so I think yes it can be fun it can also be incredibly challenging and daunting and my biggest piece of advice is to just stick with it um, and educate yourself, even if it does seem a little scary or, you know, um, overwhelming. I think, you know, something that we talk about a lot at Revlon there is a huge amount of our customers are young mothers. And I think that is such an interesting statistic because we, we talk to these women and they say, you know, once I became pregnant, all of a sudden I was thinking about the world I'm going to leave for my child. Like, what is that world going to look like when the pollution levels are this high and animals are going extinct and the world's heating up and all of these things are happening. And and for us, we could maybe be like, Oh God, well, you know what? It is what it is. And we're here and we're, you know, what can we really do? But I think 
if especially if you've made the decision to bring another human being into this world, we all of a sudden have this real responsibility. Um, and that's when you start seeing people making actually quite drastic shifts quite quickly. Like everything becomes organic and everything becomes recycled and, you know, beauty and clothing and all of these things become very considered. And, and I love that. I love that women and, and mothers are, are such conscious people I think I think it's the responsibility of anyone who wants to bring a child into this world to really really think about their actions and what they can do now to ensure that the world looks the same you know in 80 years time yeah and I think even if you're not planning on bringing a child to this world I think remembering or thinking it's okay I think it's okay to be proud of making changes and mm -hmm. feel like a hero because that's how I do it yeah I, I mean if I every day I feel like I feel very good about being myself because like I'm doing something great for this world and it's not only about me it's about me caring about the future and you know future generations it's all the people in the different countries then we have a harder time than I do so yeah. I think it's okay to be like a little bit cocky and be like oh you know what though I, I I'm proud of this this is yeah. what makes me who I am I think it's a great standpoint. And I think that, you know, that's an example of one group of people that I see get really worked up really quickly. And that's fantastic. But I think you're so right. It should also be something completely independent of, of anything really just, it's being a, a good person and, you know, a person that, that wants to find a voice and make a change. And I think in the world that we live in, in these times, that's like, it's never been more important. Mm. Thank you, Cora, so much. We've been talking for a long time and I love everything. Um, you're an inspiration. Like, thank you for starting this online shop so people like me and other people caring about fashion can actually find trendy clothes <laughs> that are still sustainable and ethical and all of that, which we now cleared out to what that means. Um, but before we say goodbye, I just want you to give some meaning to my own word, which is retruthing. And I made this word up because I, I found it was lacking in the English dictionary. And basically it means that we take a truth that we've lived by up until now, yeah. uh, a truth that has shaped our world and how we look upon it, and we retruth it so that we can find ourselves in more compassionate, sustainable, and loving futures. I love that. Thank you. So yeah. if you were to retruth anything right now, what would that be? So basically, just to kind of clear it up, so it's about taking something and repurposing it. Well, so so an example is I used to say to myself, vegan is hard. Yeah. And when I started being vegan, I was terrified because I was thinking I was going to lose all my muscles. I was going to not get enough nutrition and it was going to be really hard to be vegan. Yeah. And just trying it out and I had to retruth it and say, actually, vegan is pretty easy. So it's all we making our own worlds from the truths we're living by, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. Um, I would say that it is... I would say that what retruthing would be to me is the idea that one person can't make a change. I think that was something that... I, I think that actually has been my fear, my biggest fear, this whole journey of creating Rev and building it is that me as an individual could never possibly do enough to fight all of the things that I want to fight. Um, 
and that I don't have the capacity to do enough. But I think I am a little bit hard in myself. And I think that when I look back on what I've been able to achieve over the last four years, and I hope this doesn't sound immodest, but it's, it's really, I, I hope I've really done some good and I don't actually want to think that one person can't make a huge change because, you know, you look at like a, a Nelson Mandela or a Mother Teresa. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to those people like any stretch of the imagination, but they're individuals who created huge amounts of change. I mean, I look at Elon Musk right now and think, oh my God, this man is single-handedly forging and creating a trend in sustainable automobiles and other things. Um, so I think that it's it's really making this idea that yes, an individual can have an incredible amount of impact on the world and never think that you can't be that individual. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> that was like on point. I'm <laughs> Sorry, adding it to my wall of retreats. All right. Thank you so much again. So how can we find you? What's your website? How can we connect with you if anyone wants to talk to you after this? Yes, I'd be so thrilled. Um, so our website is revenver.com, which is R-E-V-E-N-V-E-R-T.com. And then I would just be Cora, C-O-R-A, at revenver.com. And, you know, I'm really happy to answer any emails or questions and you can follow us on our social media. We've got loads of um, kind of comments and starting discussions there. So so please check us out. And like I said, I'm always here. And I usually don't say this, but go over and shop. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, yeah, exactly. Come check us out. And also, um, and I truly mean this, if we do not have the kind of products that you are looking for or you have comments as an individual shopper, um, I would love to hear your feedback because we're really looking to curate this as a platform that's got something for everyone. So if you don't feel that that suits your needs, um, let us know and we'll try to fill in the blanks. All right. Thank you, Cora. Have an awesome day. You too. Hey, did you get inspired by our talk to maybe try out some sustainable fashion? Well, if you head over to revenvert.com, which is R-E-V-E-N-V-E-R-T.com and use the code HEYCHANGE, you get a 15% discount on your first purchase. I mean, how awesome is that? So don't miss out and I'll talk to you again soon. Ciao.